1: One thing I want everybody to know is from our conversation is to trust, trust in yourself, trust in knowing what is right for you. Your your mind and your heart will tell you when you're in a right situation or when you're not, and you have to believe that. What it is that you want to do is going to be good for you no matter what people say. So trust in yourself and go for it. Thanks all for tuning into Dreamcatchers where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self motivated individuals who desire to take their life forward to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready?
0: the Dreamcatchers podcast i'm your host jerome and i've got the great pleasure of having sherry francis with me today she's the owner of didap an interior design firm that is based in new york city sherry how are you this morning
1: i am great how are you
0: jerome good and i'm not sure that i'm saying it right i know you've got like caribbean heritage and you were born in canada like grew up in canada like is it shari shari like how what's the right way to speak?
1: so my name is shari okay shari francis for everyone um and my company's name is to adapt and uh i have been an interior designer out here in brooklyn for on my own for five years Wow. Um, and yeah i've been designing for almost 10 and uh it has been quite
0: the journey. <laughs> so how did you get to Brooklyn? I mean, that seems like just a really hard place to start.
1: Well, it, it, it didn't start out in Brooklyn. Um, my journey actually started in film and television. and um, a, a lot of the things that I, I thought I wanted to do was, was going, was about glamour when I was younger and uh, living that glamorous lifestyle, being in television, being in film, being with actors, being with directors. And when you're in it and when you're doing it, it's not as glamorous as you think it is. Uh, it is, I don't know, as a woman, it's, it's quite different. And I'm, I do have to say that I am quite happy for the Me-, Me Too movement because back in the day when I was doing film and television uh, and behind the scenes, It was difficult to even be recognized for my talents or what it is that I could do just because I was a woman. Um, So I actually started off in New York and then I went to LA and I was working actually for a magazine in coordination and writing. Uh, It's called Variety. And uh, I got to see the ins and outs of the entertainment industry. And I realized that this wasn't for me. I realized I was not helping anyone um, and I had a lot to give to society. So I actually ended up taking a course at UCLA. And and let me backtrack a little bit because my mother, after I graduated uh, undergrad, my mother was like, why are you in theater? Why are you doing film and television? She's like, you should be a designer. You are always moving things around and trying to make things look perfect and make things functional. This is what you should be doing. And I told her, no, mom, there's no way I'm going to do that. There's no money in it. I can't deal with it. Leave me alone. I want to be in television. <laughs> I, I wanted to be a star. I want to be a director. I wanted to do everything that was all about film television theater. You 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 name it. I was like, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna do it. And and she was like, sure, okay. And she knew me more than I knew myself. And you know, I went to while I was working at Variety, I I needed a better creative outlet than, you know, coordinating and writing. And I thought going to award ceremonies and writing for that and uh, just dealing interviewing studio heads would be would be fun and, and exciting and it just i was can i be honest i was bored yeah I was it bored.
0: wasn't the fairy tale
1: I oh. te- it was not it was not and and i decided i needed to make a change i i took several courses at ucla and one that really stuck out was the Interior Design, the Introduction to Interior Design program that they had. And I took the course and I loved it. I relished in it. And I remember my instructor at that time was uh, was encouraging us to participate in competitions for scholarships. And I said, oh, well, all right, well, I do love this. I, I can't quite afford to take all of these classes at UCLA, uh, but I do want to continue on and learn more about interior design. And so I actually, I actually went for it, and I, I worked on a um, project for the competition, presented it. I had, I didn't think anything of it because I, I had to uh, create, I had to create an interior. Based off a designer who inspired me, and for me at that time it was Tony Duquette, a super eccentric designer who was pretty much did everything that was like the color of my jacket here, and yeah, he he was. I I thought okay, this is this is a lot, but I'm gonna do it anyways. Here we go, and I won the scholarship, wow. and I was floored, and my confidence was like through the roof. Right. So I said, give me that money. I'm going to take all these classes. I'm going to see what I can do. And it it really propelled me to learn a lot more in interior design. And it helped me to really figure out what it is that I wanted to do. It it helped me realize that I could help people.
0: Were you still working full time at that point? Or did you? I was. Okay.
1: I worked. So during the day, I was working as a coordinator at Variety. In the evenings, I was freelance writing for Variety and going to school and going to and finishing all my homework. So, honestly, I don't know how I did it, but that time in my life, I did not sleep. I would probably go to bed at three or four in the morning and start my day again at 7 Uh a.m. And I think it was the excitement and the passion that kept me going. And uh, I, I, I I don't know. I think like I I was so excited that I actually was able to accomplish something so amazing and people were really taking to my style and what I was doing. And I, I said, okay, I gotta go for this. I gotta see what I can do. I have to see where this can go. And I realized, okay, yeah, I I can actually help people's lives be better, other than and I don't wanna say anything super, super bad about television and film but where i was i was not helping anyone i was helping boost egos how i felt wow and i needed to help people live better and that's that has always been kind of my philosophy through television film it has not always been that way but that's how it ended and wow. I had to, I, I didn't have to make this change. So I did it and I, I, I took classes. I, I, I decided if I could get this scholarship and if I could do well, then I was going to change my career. And the only way that I could do this is to go to the best school in the country. Right. So I, while my confidence was super high at that point, I applied to go to Pratt
0: and... What's Pratt? Tell me yeah. about Pratt. how did you pick, how did you know that was like the best school in the country? Come on now.
1: I, I researched it. I, I, I need, I, there was a point where I was like, I have to get out of this industry and I have to get into interior design. I am a creative person and I need to go full force in this. So how it went was I, I actually applied to Pratt. Um, uh, sorry, let me go back. How how this actually happened was I researched a lot with different schools, and uh, I I if you, if you don't know my actual history is yeah I am Canadian and uh, my parents are Jamaican and we migrated to the U.S. and I came here for school uh, undergrad and I stayed and um, the place. After, after undergrad, I went to New York first, and uh, I loved it. But I moved to LA to try something different, and it was not working. And I knew where Pratt was. It was in New York, and for me, New York is home. And I said, I'm going to apply here. I also knew that at that time, it was the best interior design school, to, to do your master's. So I said, okay, I'm gonna do it. Uh, I applied. I wasn't sure if I was gonna be accepted into the program because they only chose, I believe 80 students out of the world at that time. And I said, I, I have to find a way, I just do. So I applied and I made friends. I made myself known at Pratt. I called I inquired about the applications I I just I just really wanted to n- let them know that I was here I was ready I was going to work my butt off and please accept me and you'll see and it worked it worked I had during the application though the process I did have to kick butt I guess <laughs> But uh, no, I, I had my family rally behind me, and we we worked on my application together to make it amazing, and worked on our statements, and we put a lot of love into it. Not just myself; they really wanted me to do this as well. And uh, I think just having that village behind me really helped me to get into this school.
0: So. You, you said Pratt, but there had to be like a professor or somebody, an administrator or somebody that you connected with, right? So Pratt's an organization, but how did you make that connection with the individual who, you know, was 3,000 miles away from you? Um, what did you do? Like, what was the kind of step-by-step that got you connected?
1: I I picked up the phone. I was in LA. I picked up the phone and I called the interior design department. It was it's, it's the administrator, the people in the office that were super helpful and super kind to me and super encouraging. And that just made me want to call back more and get more information and just kind of get to know them a little bit more. And they encouraged me to actually come to the school and see if it was a good fit before before any of the acceptances were happening. And I did. I came, I went to the school, I saw it, I loved it. And I was like, please, what else do I need to do for my application? I'm ready. Wow. And, and there that, then it happened. I, I I don't know how, what else happened behind the scenes, but I I definitely made myself known. And I think it's important if you want something, you have to be persistent, Uh but not annoyingly persistent, but create, create a kind of a bond or a friendship or, or something where people feel comfortable with you and you'll, you'll see things happen.
0: Wow. So you said you got your master's from Pratt but I don't think your undergrad was in interior design. So how do you get into Pratt without kind of that formal training at the undergraduate level?
1: Well, I I had UCLA, so I had a year of training from UCLA. So that helped a little bit, but Pratt has an amazing program where you can work. Pratt has a program a master's program where it's actually three years. So, the first year, if you're not an actual interior designer but you're an artist of some sort or you can draw, you have to have some type of skills, and they allow you to spend an entire year qualifying to get into the master's program. And as a bridge, it's super intensive. They put everything into one year and they say you have to know all of this to qualify for the master's program. So I did it. We learned everything from hand drawings to floor plans, every technical skill that you could possibly learn. And on top of it, we had to learn how to create amazing concepts and uh, learn more about furniture and, uh, and, and the architecture and space and it was is a it was a challenge and humbling but i i do have to admit sometimes when you really want something you have to know that it's not easy once you get into that situation and you have to work your butt off and that's what i had to do at pratt
0: nice shari so what'd your mom say right you get the letter or you get the call however they let you know what did she say when you told her? Because I'm sure she was the first person you called.
1: Well, my parents are Jamaican. Right. So they expect you to do the best. Right. So I was like, I got it. She was like, good. And that was it. <laughs> she was like, good. So when are you moving?
0: <laughs> really?
1: Yeah. So, so that's how, her excitement.
0: How and did I was you like, separate? Okay. How did you Pardon? separate from the um, magazine then?
1: Oh, I just told them that I got accepted into Pratt and everybody was really excited about it. They were like, what? Oh my gosh, this is great. And uh, they were very supportive. There was no hard feelings. I, I, I think I had the right etiquettes when leaving the job and, you know, gave everybody enough notice. And I said, this is what I've got to do. I've enjoyed my experience there. I've learned a lot, but this is not it for me
0: okay and so did pratt award you some financial aid or anything no out of pocket
1: it's out of pocket and that was it was a hard decision because i i actually asked my mom i was like i don't know what to do because they they're not awarding a scholarship and pratt is is expensive it is very expensive it's an expensive art school and uh I was like, I don't know what to do. And so I, all of my savings went into that first semester and loans. Uh, loans. Yeah. So that's, that's how I ended up doing it. I had to take out quite a few loans to uh, sustain myself at Pratt. Okay. Well, I, I just want to say this is like, um, the, the, I still had such amazing confidence. There was that period in life, and I still do have this confidence, but there was that period in life where I went to Pratt and I wanted to help and I wanted to make change. So I did work with outside companies, different organizations that wanted to bring, uh, bring information to students uh, to help students understand that they can network and get jobs. I also, realized that Pratt was, was helping us to be these ridiculous machines. And I I really felt like we needed to see what was outside of school. So I created a a club for interior designers. And it was just like a safe space for us to kind of talk about interior design, come figure out events and things that we could do for one another so that we would have just kind of a break from the everyday studying, and then also working with companies like IIDA and ASID to have them come in and do mentorships and things like that. So I was really excited to do those things on top of all of the schoolwork. And so that was a really exciting point, but I do have to say that it was also super challenging um, as a minority and 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 just trying to figure out how to translate in my brain what was needed, pardon? Um, Yeah, so I I do have to say, even though that this was my dream, it was still a a challenge as soon as I got in. And I'm still here and I still love it. And uh, what was your other question?
0: So when you you got through Pratt, what happened next? That's where I wanted to go next. But, you know, one thing that you kind of talked about that I think we probably should drill down on is, you know, creating value for others. And you've mentioned already that you wanted to help other people. And so I think you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I really want you, how did you, like you were saying that you were working for outside companies, but I know you created a student org, and mm-hmm. we're allowing other students to get engaged. And so talk to me about the creation of the organization, kind of how you developed the partnerships, and then what you saw as the kind of takeaway or end result from that effort.
1: Right. So those partnerships actually happened, again, through uh, the, the interior design office, because I, I, I continue to ha- have that um, friendship, in the office, so they had said, hey, uh, we don't have a student rep for these organizations and we think maybe you might be a good person to bring all this information to the students. Do you mind speaking to these organizations and see if it's a good fit for the school? Um, and that that's how it happened. And I once I spoke to these organization, so IIDA is the it, uh, the International Interior Design Association, which I thought was really important for me being somebody from a different country and knowing that this organization was all around the world for interior designers. And then ASID, which is the American Society of Interior Designers, which that one I I I got into the last point of school, and that one that organization found me through. I think the interior design department and had asked me to uh, bring some information. I do have to say like that one was a little bit less, I was a little bit less involved in that one than IIDA. And I I wanted to bridge that with something that the students can go to this club where the students can kind of have an outlet, Like I said, create events, create competitions, even for themselves. So that we could just, just have fun. So you and inspire each other, actually. Inspire each other. That that was the main thing.
0: Now that's a that's a key word, inspiration, especially yeah. when you're being creative. So you mentioned it was tough being a minority at Pratt. Break that down for me.
1: So there was at my year, there was three of us. And for me coming from Canada, I never felt any type of racism or I didn't see it. You know, I, I, my life was very secluded. It was school, home, dealing with my parents and my family. So I had a very great family life. Um, And then, you know, I think they, they had taught me just like the right etiquettes and things like that. And, or I don't want to say the right etiquettes, but etiquettes on how to deal with life and how to deal with society and just keep moving on and working hard. And I had that and so I I used used that throughout my life and I realized getting to Pratt, it was not working. And I didn't understand why it wasn't working. And I had, my challenges were uh, things that I didn't understand in terms of, I can give you a story. I remember one of my instructors uh, accused me of plagiarizing, and it's plagiarizing a drawing. And I had what? I, I know I was floored. I was floored by it. I I was stunned. I, I I I at first I didn't know what to do. I didn't know whether to cry or what happened. But what I what I learned from Pratt was, or prior to Pratt, I was always very a, a very nice person. But once I got to Pratt, I realized that I had a lot of fight in me. And I took this particular instructor and I said to her, I won't accept that. I won't accept your accusations. And I want to show you how good I am. And she was like, okay. So I I said after class, I said, you're not leaving until I redraw this so that you can regrade me and you can. Remove that accusation from me. And so we sat down, I redrew it right in front of her and she was like, oh, oh, you did draw it. I thought it was something that you took from the internet and put into this particular program. And she's like, I apologize. And I was like, thank you. So I had to resolve those situations and there were plenty of those type of situations with me and it changed who I am and how I see life now and it's that wasn't the first time that teacher did that to me
0: so she did it twice hey guys back in 2016 me and the team decided to formalize dream catchers as an organization to help people achieve their wildest dreams if this is you please visit our website at dreamshouldbereal.com in order to find out the details of our services and how we can help you become a dream catcher talk to you soon Was that drawing actually on the internet? Like, how did she find the drawing? I
1: I had no idea that we could, like, I wasn't, I, you know, I had no idea that we could uh, find these things on the internet. I thought it was just a task that I had to draw. And I took the time to draw it for her, for class, for the assignment. And she, she actually showed me, she was like, so the program is called AutoCAD. And so she showed me that you can get these, what we call blocks, which the drawing that I did was a bathroom. And she pr- pretty much said I plagiarized using doing a toilet, <laughs> drawing a toilet. And I was like, what is going on? Why? What? I can't. Anyhow, it was definitely a changing point for how I saw people and how people saw me. And uh, I realized, okay, it's not about just working hard anymore. It's actually about being present and relevant and fighting. And it wasn't easy. There there were a lot of moments of insecurity when I was going through Pratt and going through a lot of this nonsense. Um, But in the end... I think it did make me stronger. I, I think it made me who I am and allow me to be where I'm at today, uh, and and just have a thicker skin.
0: So what? At what point did you decide that fear just needed to get in the back seat and your insecurities needed to get in the back seat? But you were going anyway because I'm sure there were a few times where you're like, I need to turn around and go back and get my job. I'm going in debt. I don't have any income like this sucks and it's hard and these people don't even know who i am if they're accusing me of doing something dishonest so what happened like how did you get that confidence was there somebody encouraging you along the way or were people saying hey shari you're not doing the right thing like how did you keep that courage
1: it was it was a lonely process it was something where I had to dig, dig deep in myself and figure it out. It, I, You know, my family was my rock, but my my parents didn't understand. You know, they, they're just like, work hard, do, do well, and you'll be fine. I'm like, no, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with the way that I'm being treated. I When I work hard and I do well in anything else, I'm fine. People respect me. I'm not di- getting that here and uh i i think for for me it was it was never really a fear it was just trying to temper the anger i i didn't have like oh my god there was the insecurity and then there was the anger and then there was the point of okay let's rationalize how we're going to work this situation out wow so it was it was literally Yeah, it was literally like creating, just as we would create goals, I would sit down, write out like, okay, this is a big problem. I'm not enjoying it right now. I'm not having a good time. I need to speak to this professor or this instructor or this person and ask them why. Because at the end of the day, when I I wrote all of this stuff out and I was like, the logic is I'm paying you to teach me and I want to know why or where i went wrong and if you can't give me the answer then my grades need to change so i got really feisty yeah you have to you
0: gotta be able to self you have
1: to yeah so i was feisty in my own way or i i needed to get the knowledge to to help me understand for myself better and and that was the whole thing it wasn't like oh man you know, they see me as this type of person. And I feel, and now in turn, I'm going to feel insecure and bad and feel like I need to be put in this place. I was like, no, I'm here to learn. I gave up a career. I have to know everything and I have to be the best that I can be. And if it's not good enough for you, then that's okay. I'm going to go figure it out and learn what I can learn. And
0: that
1: that's, I hope that answers your question.
0: It does. It's good. I mean, I remember for me when I sat in my business program for the first day, I kind of looked around. I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. I don't know if I can compete with these folks. And then quickly I realized that, you know, I could probably sit in a classroom with anybody and compete. So it's just that self-doubt. And then, you know, going back to, you know, I am who I am. I know what got me here. And, you know, I've had success at whatever I've tried before or I didn't have success, but I made adjustments. But, you know, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm good at. And so as long as I I stay true to that and I'm willing to put in the work required in order to be successful, then the outcome is predetermined. You know, it's just a matter of actually arriving at that outcome. And so you reach your outcome, which is graduation. And then what happens? Right.
1: I was exhausted, Ouch. I was tired of fighting, I was, I was beat down and mm. I, I, when I graduated it, it was still towards the end of the recession and I, the goal was to work your butt off and get that job and I worked my butt off at school, I had an internship. I was helping my parents design their home and I crashed hard. I got the job and they wanted me to start right away and I turned it down. I said I just don't have the energy.
0: Whoa. <laughs> I so I, I didn't. Wow.
1: I so I don't for, have the energy. I don't have the energy. I, I sublet my apartment. I moved back home and for six months I just tried to figure figure out what I did.
0: Wow. So where was yeah. home? Was it Canada, Jamaica? So, where where'd you go? No,
1: my parents actually my parents migrated to uh Virginia and uh they were they had been there and uh, I my mom was understanding. That was the first time my mom was actually understanding because she, she saw the whole graduation process. And that's a whole other story. But she, and she finally understood what I went through. And she was like, wow. wow. She's like, it's okay, come home. And I took six months off. And in that six months, it was, it was trying to figure out, okay, I just changed my life, went to school to do something that I love got beat down and I don't know if I can do this. And I was like, my mom was very concerned and uh, uh, I don't know what happened. I think that uh, like after the six months, I was like, all right, I still love this. Those were just people. And just go ahead. Do you. So I went back. I Did the the same thing that I always do. Worked with two amazing firms, uh, created relationships in order to get those jobs, stayed and tried to learn as much as I could. And then the economy turned, jobs weren't coming in, and I got laid off. And I, I do remember I worked with an amazing firm called the Schweitzer Group. It's a Black owned architecture firm in New York City. And the place where I learned so much and felt so included. And their their staff was so diverse. And it it felt really amazing to be part of that. And it felt really amazing to be mentored by somebody who could see my potential. So my direct supervisor really pushed me to do good and to do better. And... um, it was so sad when he was like when he did tell me he's like the projects are just not coming in and we have to lay you off but not for long however i kind of knew it was going to happen so i i I into realist because i wanted to do that part-time i was like i want to see more interiors i want to be see what developers are doing and seeing if they're doing anything like how we can help correct the situation for people living in in, in New York City, everything is small and nothing is really functional. And so I, I went into real estate and when I did my test, I got laid off and then I got hired by um, a real estate company. And I started, I I just started right away, very successful. And from, from real estate, everybody learned that I was interior designer. So if I rented a luxury apartment, I designed the apartment. And that's just kind of how Dadaf really started. I I was like, oh, wow, this is great. And then I did get called back to say, hey, do you want to come back to the firm? We have more things. And I was like, oh, I'm having a great time doing things on my own now. Uh, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass.
0: Wow. So I'm going to pass, you guys. I'm not here at your beck and call. I figured it out since you turned your back on me and I'm not going back.
1: Yeah, well, it, it wasn't it wasn't like that. They, they, it was a great firm and, and, and interior design and architecture is, is really hard sometimes when you think you're getting a project and then you know the budget falls through or the client finds somebody else, that's a lot of money that's gone so then you do have to cut people but then if another project comes on you definitely want to have the same people on board so it it is it is a tricky field to be in and I completely understood and my heart was was going to go back but I that first year out the gate I was very successful and I was really enjoying life and I was like this is what I I'm supposed to do I'm supposed to help people find the right place and I'm supposed to help them. or I'm supposed to make sure that they're able to live and design or not design. They're supposed to be in a beautiful space that functions well for, for their needs.
0: Nice. I like how you clean that up. You're so pleasant. At the end of the day for me, I mean, you <laughs> really, you found... You know, you you didn't talk about any of the pain of being laid off. Right. But I mean, it had to be a challenge considering you just got back into the workforce, you were trying to expand and you ended up contracting. And then in your contraction, you were able to focus on the real estate, which you flourished. And then because you were loving the job you were in, you were able to elevate and offer additional value to the folks who you were serving, and so for me, you know that's a beautiful thing. Um, I think a lot of people get stuck, right? They get stuck in, well, these people did me wrong. They get stuck in, maybe I made the wrong choice with the school or changing a career. Um, but you know, for you, when you get in the process, you keep going. You put your head down. You keep fighting you don't give up even if it become the situation becomes inconvenient and it's not as comfortable as you thought it was going to be when you got into it. And so I, you know, I want to commend you for being able to say, "Hey, yeah, this isn't what I thought it is. I don't want to do this anymore." Because I don't think a lot of people have that courage. They become what they are, right? You got to you got into, you know, Hollywood fashion industry, so on and so forth, and that was you attaining the goal. But then once you got there, you realize that, hey, this really isn't what I thought it was going to be. It's not what it was romanticized to be as I was looking at it and picking it. Um, Some people are just so committed to keeping up the appearance of the lifestyle. And, you know, after getting to know you some, what I've realized is, you know, you're, you've run away from the vanity piece. You're looking for depth. You're looking for real impact. And, you know, me and, our tribe, we talk about significance is the only success, right? So a lot of people look like they're doing well. A lot of people look like they're having success. But for you, it's about true value creation. And I don't think everybody gets that. And so I think that's why DADAPT is having the success it's been having. So tell me about that. You, You told me that that's kind of how it got started. But what have you grown it into? Tell me what kind of projects you're focusing on and then tell me what you're hoping to do next with it.
1: Okay. So uh, currently we are working with a lot of young developers and we convert a lot of homes to either new construction or gut renovations and we take it to the decoration level and we do a lot of things for Airbnb, short-term living and it's really fun. It, I, I it's really fun to understand what travelers of the world want and how we can create a, a safe space for them to enjoy New York, Jersey, wherever it is that they want to stay. So uh, I, I do work in that area mainly these days. I also do commercial, so restaurant concepts other little food counters and residential so private residential homes and uh, so we we have quite a an array of, of different areas of interior design
0: great and you were telling me when we were talking about technology row a few weeks ago about some interior architecture and some partnerships you've been working on do you want to delve into that at all or you just want to keep it on kind of what you've been focusing on. Oh,
1: so partnerships. I'm not sure if I can quite talk about
0: it. Okay, it's fine. I wanted to to have the teaser out there because I mean, you've told- Oh, okay, well,
1: I mean, one of the things that I'm working on and the hope is we just created a presentation to try and partner with Wayfair and have Wayfair come in and sponsor our project, for Airbnb and uh, work with them on the design level and the marketing level. And uh, we will see how that goes. Uh, we're, we, we just submitted, we got some good feedback from some of the people there. So uh, I guess it's just dependent on all of the other little logistics on their end.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting that you speak with, I don't know how to characterize it, but it you don't have certainty with this, right? It's kind of, we'll see what happens. But when I've looked at the things that you've been able to accomplish, you attack them with intensity and cer- certainty and uh, a—I guess a true belief that it's going to happen. So how do you balance the two? I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, I think I just go with my gut. I, I, I I'm a creative person, so a lot of things for me is is just about how I feel. And um, well, where, follow
0: intuition is important, right? I, I think a lot of yeah, people follow their intuition, so that makes a lot of sense.
1: That and positivity. no, but I, I think in terms of how do we how do I structure, something that we're going after and then something that we're that's safe is that kind of where we're going with this question Mm -hmm. i i don't know if you really can for interior design you have to go out and try and get as many clients to know you as possible and you hope that one of them will we'll, we'll love your style and love who you are and take you on as a designer. And when you have that, then you have the opportunity to do things like create the presentation for Wayfair and you're able to fund the staff and do that as well as trying to get something bigger and better. Yeah. So I'm learning, I'm still learning yeah. through the process. And I think what leads me in my business is the creative. And I am still learning more on the business side. And I am learning and get a lot of people uh, on the financial and who have better business sense than I do. And it's it's working. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That contract, uh, when you were working on that contract for, I can't remember exactly what you were, it was like a- American
1: Dream Mall.
0: Yeah. Like that yeah. was pretty cool to, you know, get engaged on that and have a conversation with you and coach you through that a little bit. So I appreciate Yeah, that I appreciate
1: welcome. it. It did. It, so it's actually going to be built out pretty soon. I, I, I guess also going back, cause I, let me go back to also what you said. How do I sustain myself? I have amazing friends and they, they always send me referrals and usually those referrals are the ones that are, are, ready to go on a project and so that's how i can sustain myself so that happens and then I, i i have these ideas where i'm like okay let's try and see what we can do with this big company we already have an in we can already we already talk to people they love us let's see if we can try and and make a partnership out of it
0: so it's interesting you said you your friends are amazing and they send you referrals what I've found for the majority of people who've started their own business is their friends don't send them referrals and they don't support them by spending with them. So what about your network is so different?
1: What about it? it is that we're just family. Huh. I, I don't know. They know what I do. They are excited about what I do. They've seen me work, so they have faith that whatever I do will be great. And what my team will do.
0: Nice, nice. So I've got probably a couple more questions. We're coming up on our time. The first one is, what gift are you giving the world?
1: I am giving the world the opportunity to live in spaces that work well for them. I'm giving the, uh, the world opportunities to understand that whatever living situation they're in, can be changed so it can adapt to who they are, what speaks to their personality and to their soul. Your space can reflect you. And that's what where I come in and I help you get to that point
0: point. Nice. and love it. Nice, nice, nice. So tell me about the name. So you said adapt and I was like, adapt, adapt. <laughs> I never asked what it means. Tell me what it means.
1: So, adapt is um, is a mix of design and adaptation, and so I, I my also my background is is design wise is is pretty Eurocentric and Scandinavian, and uh, some of my education has been in Denmark, which is some which is a design that has influenced a lot of the work that I do, and uh, and then also coming from a Jamaican background, a Canadian background, there's a whole bunch of mixes of things going on in my brain and how I how I design. I I decided to say like, you know what? We're just gonna mash these words up together and call it the DAT. And then we're gonna put the, we're gonna make it just, just make a word up. And so when you actually break it down, it's you take the D from design and adapt, and there you go, did that.
0: <laughs> I like it. What are you most grateful for, Shari?
1: My experiences. I'm most grateful for that. The loving family and my curiosity. I think that's gotten me to where I am. And I always feel like I have to hone that and bring things back to family experience and curiosity in order to keep me going
0: i love it and so my final question is you know we've talked for about an hour if folks don't take anything else away from this conversation what is the one thing you want them to know from our conversation
1: one thing i want everybody to know is from our conversation is to trust trust in yourself Trust in knowing what is right for you. Your, your mind and your heart will tell you when you're in a right situation or when you're not. And you have to believe that what it is that you want to do is going to be good for you no matter what people say. So trust in yourself and go for it.
0: Amazing. Shari, thanks for being our guest. Hey, guys, if you made it to this point of the conversation, you've loved it. And so do me a favor. Hit that subscribe button on your podcasting platform or YouTube, and we'll catch up with you on the next episode of the Dreamcatchers podcast. Talk to you soon.
1: If you want to learn more about Dreamcatchers, please visit the the website at dreamcatchers.com. If you can think of someone who would benefit from these types of opportunities and are willing to share what we're doing with them, we would greatly
0: appreciate it.